Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redmond, president of the K Ghoul Horror Film Club and investigator for Burgers. I am joined by the man with the 12th degree black belt in Pew Jitsu, the master flamethrower, and he too is an investigator for Burgers, Tommy Pew Pew. This is the last week of Seafest. We've been hiding out, or we were invited to come hang out in this secret hidden island down in the Caribbean. We've had our fair share of adventures. We've journeyed all over the Caribbean. We've participated in some pirate raids, uh, some nautical acquisitions and redistributions. We've met some uh, crazy characters, and hopefully we'll have them on the show one day. But this is the last week of Seafest. And we've talked about different stories like the ghost ship, the Mary Celeste, where they just found the ship, zero crew on board, zero lifeboats were gone, no logs. They just don't know what happened. We've also talked about our favorite sea creatures like Godzilla and the Kraken. Well, this week, we're going to pair up with Discovery Channel and uh, National Geographic and their love for sharks. Uh, Shark Week is this week on Discovery Channel, and all month long has been Shark Fest for National Geographic. Now, we're not going to go and talk about tonic mobility and all this this other stuff that uh, you hear on Shark Week, because we like to have fun when it comes to shark movies. So later on in the show, I'm going to give you the five best shark movies, and I promise you these movies are not Jaws any of the Jaws movies. They're not the Meg and they're not Deep Blue Sea. I've got a whole list for you and it seems to be kind of a a funny tradition for me to create these quote-unquote best shark movies. Trust me, these movies will make you want to run. I'll even, of course, tell you how to steer clear of the really bad ones. So this week is Shark Week and I've enjoyed watching some of these videos, but this year is... um, not as uh, good as years past. Jason Momoa is an okay host. Uh, he definitely looks like he's a guy that needs a script in front of him when he's hosting because they just stuck him on a mountaintop uh, when it was really windy to begin with, and he looks completely out of the water when it comes to interviewing or even trying to say what he wants to say. I guess since the writers on strike, they couldn't afford to write Momoa a script for Shark Week. Also, the the segments have been a little weird, and the the, the shows, uh, one in particular, Cocaine Sharks. I, I don't know where where this biologist, this heavy metal biologist, Tim Blowfish Heard came from. He's kind of funny. He's kind of entertaining, but his little show about. Uh, Jug cartels dropping cocaine into the water and sharks eating the the cocaine. That was some of the worst videography I've seen. There was a lot of uh, hesitancy in the video. Like you could see it jerking about. The editing was a little weird. Heck, even the uh, experiments were weird. I mean, for a moment, I thought he actually got his hand on some real cocaine and tossed it out to the sharks. But no, they created this fish powder. That was supposed to simulate the dopamine rush that sharks would get. It was a cool experiment. And the graphics, it was definitely a uh, different take and uh, 
a fresh direction on shark videos because I've mentioned before all month long that they're running out of ideas. When you've got National Geographic trying to say that sharks can change the color of their skin, you know they've hit rock bottom on ideas. And the same could be said about cocaine sharks and monsters of the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, with that one, they didn't even try to give me something crazy. And now they just gave me this crazy title. Said, hey, these poor beagle sharks are disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, they solved that mystery. Oh, come on. We can't really solve the regular mystery of the Bermuda Triangle, but we can solve that one for sharks. Now let's talk about the Bermuda Triangle. I thought that was going to be a bigger problem. Because growing up, that's all we saw. These ABC specials on the Bermuda Triangle and this ship disappeared and that plane disappeared. I mean, it was all they could talk about. Books, comic books, stories. Everybody was get, was every, Everybody was disappearing inside the Bermuda Triangle. And I also thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem than it was. Because every time we turned around, one of our heroes was stuck in quicksand and had to be rescued. Yeah, that one too. But I thought the Bermuda Triangle one was a little weird as well. That one, they, they, they hyped up, they gave you some of the, the cinematic music, and there was like no payoff, no climax, no dopamine rush for you to say, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And some of the other ones were pretty good. The uh, Belly of the Beast was probably the most interesting, where the guy creates a uh, artificial whale carcass and he goes and sits in the belly of that to record sharks feeding on the the whale. And uh, let, let's stop. that's kind of like the tip of everything we got in Shark Week this week and uh, this year. And um, after 35 years, you can say they are out of ideas. Um, some were entertaining, but mildly entertaining. There, there was no one that clearly say, oh, I got to watch that one again. Or I want to buy that one on DVD. Well, that's enough of talking about Shark Week. Let's get on to what you're here for. Our creature feature and our frightening tales. So we're going to go ahead and start our creature feature right here on Frightening Tales.
never saw anything like it in my life. It's ripped clean off. What do you think, Constable? I don't know what to think. They're white as sheets. They don't look like they got a drop of blood left in them. Now, we'll know better after an autopsy. I bet old Sturgis knows more than he'll tell. The Rinaldi brothers always fished out at the point. The boat could have drifted back. How about it, Madsen? I suppose you let me do the thinking. You take these bodies over to Kochex, and I'll have Doc Jorgensen take a look at them. Uh, I still think Sturgis ought to tell us what he knows. Maybe he don't know nothing. You want to bet? Oh. All right, now quit your grumbling. Get him out of here. Okay, folks, you go on home now, will you? This is not a Roman holiday, please. I need some supplies. Do you see what happened to the Rinaldi brothers? I didn't stop. It was me that found them. I went out on the pier to look at my lobster traps. When I see the boat way out over there by the breaker line, well, it was low in the water and uh, looked like it was empty. But I did not pay much attention until it drifted near the pier. Then I seen them, like slaughtered steers. <laughs> Their throats cut clean. Funny thing, though, not much blood around. That, uh... Lens cleaner I ordered come in yet? That'll be in next week. You know, the constable has the idea that they got caught in that squall we had last night and couldn't keep off the rocks. But if that was the case, I say they would still be on the rocks and nothing left of that boat at all. Let me have a pound of liver and two of bacon. If you want to know what I think, it ain't rocks and it ain't squalls. It's something leaving that did it. Kochek, you talk too much. Oh, that's what they said two years ago. When that couple came down from the east to go fishing, they found nothing else but some debris washed up on the shore. Anything else? Uh, just my week's meat scraps. You know, if this had happened when I first came here, there would be nobody said nothing about rocks and squalls. It would be the monster of Piedras Blancas. I'm not so sure they would not be right. You know, we should pay more attention to these legends and would explain many things that happened in the last 30 years. Kochek, you're a bigger fool than I thought. Now, where's my meat scraps? You did not show up yesterday, so I gave them to Bert for his hogs. You knew I'd be in. I'm getting tired of keeping these meat scraps for you. Besides, Bert paid for it. You idiot. You'll be sorry for this. That'll be three dollars. Where will we put up? Wait a minute. I'll open up the ice room. Now, don't forget, we're burying the Rinaldi brothers in the morning. First class funeral. Better not miss it. What's biting him? Nah, I didn't save the scraps for his stupid dog. Understand Doc Jorgensen's coming to look them over. I've got my own ideas of what happened. Come on. Good morning, Dad. You left early this morning, Lucille. 
I had to open up. I got the supplies, so you won't have to shop. Thanks. Be home before dark. I'll have supper ready. Oh, I've got to work tonight, Dad. Mrs. Madsen isn't feeling too well. Oh. I got some nice liver. You always like that. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I don't like you coming home after dark. Oh, I'll be all right. Fred will bring me. Don't be late. Understand? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, Mr. Sturgis, can I have a word with you? I uh, thought maybe you might be able to help me. Now, I know the Rinaldi boys always fished out with the point, and I thought you might have seen them. Uh, what time did the squall hit out there last night? About midnight. What time did you start the foghorn? I blew from 11.30 till dawn. Mm -hmm. And you didn't see anything unusual all night? If I had, I'd tell you. Well, just that I knew they always fished out there. I've told them plenty of times. It's dangerous this time of year. Never can tell when a blow's coming up. But they wouldn't listen. Nobody listens. They'll learn someday. What's aching him? He is the most unfriendly man I ever knew. I... Oh, I'm sorry, Lucy. I didn't mean that. This business has got me upset, I guess. That's all right, Mr. Madsen. I know the town isn't very fond of Dad. Uh, I'll go see what Doc's found out. I uh, don't imagine there'd be many people in for lunch today, so take the afternoon off if you'd like. Eddie here can take care of things. All right, I'll see. All right. Your dad and the town always been at odds with one another? No, not always. What happened? Don't want to tell me? Some other time. Hey, lady, you gonna let a customer die of thirst? I don't know why I let this upset me. Oh, it's natural. Dad isn't really like that. Look, I'm sure he isn't. Hey, I've got a good idea. What's that? Well, I've got to go out to the point and pick some specimens. Why don't you come along? Gee, I'd like to, but I haven't had a chance to clean this place all day. You might not get another offer. All right. Maybe the townspeople won't be hungry today, but I'll bet you will. I'll make some sandwiches and we'll take them with us. There, you see, I knew there was some reason I wanted you to come along. I'm not sure it's me or my cooking you're falling for. Well, I always try to keep them guessing. Oh, you do, do you? Well, what happened, Doc? What'd you find? Well, the jugular veins, the carotid arteries, the esophagus, the trachea were cut straight across. There was a complete transection of the spinal cord. In short, the heads were severed from the trunks. Death was instantaneous. Well, how could it have happened? I don't know, George. If we were living in the 19th century, I'd say they were victims of the guillotine. You mean they were murdered? <laughs> That's your department, not mine. Yeah, I thought maybe it was an accident. Well, maybe it was, but I doubt it. The manner of death was identical in both cases, and it had all the earmarks of a conscious act. Looks to me like the work of some inhuman beast. Oh, that's a pack of nonsense, Kojak. You haven't been here as long as I have, Constable. Have you not heard of the legend of the monster of Piedras Blancas? An old wives' tale, you know it. Yes, of course it is. Now, it may have been a freak accident, or we may have a lunatic on our hands. Have there been any reports of strangers in the vicinity, George? No, I haven't heard of any. 
I can check with the constable over at Winsworth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go over to the office. Look, Kocek, the whole town's upset. Now, keep your stories to yourself until we get this cleared up. Do you really think you will? Let's try this. the grub, ma'am. You sound like a drugstore cowboy. Flattery will get you nowhere. I've noticed. Oh, the townspeople don't know what they're missing. Neither does Mr. Matt. Well, it isn't going to bankrupt the wings. Oh, I left a dollar in the till. I feel like a kept man. Don't you worry. I'll get it back several times over. Remember, you're taking me to the windswept Saturday night. Oh, was that this Saturday night? You know darn well it was. Oh, that's right. Next Saturday night's Marjorie. And the following Saturday, Imogene. Imogene? Kochek's prize hosting. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, can I have a pickle? Help yourself. Fred. Why did Mr. Madsen question Dad about the Rinaldi brothers? Just a shot in the dark, I guess. He couldn't think Dad had anything to do with it. Well, I'll ask George, but I think he was just looking for a clue. I guess so. But it worries me. I know the whole town's against Dad, and all he wants is just to be left alone. Well, sometimes in a small town, that's asking too much. Oh. I gotta get going or I'll never get any specimens. <laughs> oh, I love it here. I wish I never had to go back to town. No, no, back in the house ring. Go on, get in there now. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman, and I'm joined by Tommy. Today, we're talking about sharks and all kinds of uh, other stories surrounding sharks. Uh, last uh, segment, we talked about the Discovery Channel Shark Week 2023 and how we're somewhat disappointed, but yet mildly entertained with the year. Now, there's one thing that I have to say I have learned uh, this year's Shark Week, and I've never heard of this legend before, uh, especially when it comes to sharks. I've never heard of a mystical shark that's been controlled by a Mayan or Aztec god until this year. And that's because of the movie The Black Demon. Now, I thought The Black Demon uh, movie was just going to be some cheap knockoff movie, but there's actually some substance behind it. There's an actual story or legend behind it. And so we're going to talk about that for this segment. Now, I have not got a chance to see the movie. I'm still waiting for it to hit to the free option or to be a little bit more uh, manageable when in price because $25 to buy or $19 to rent is a little bit 
especially if I don't know if I'm going to really like the movie. Because I'm going to tell you now, 90% of the shark movies are in the best movies ever category. If you didn't see my air quotation marks there, they're there. All right, so let's talk about the Black Demon or La Demonia Negra. Now, the story comes around, is passed down by Mexican fishermen, mostly those who fish in the Sea of Cortez or all the way down uh, through South America. Uh, according, to Arth- Ar- according to Arturo Conde, these stories are passed down by generations of fishermen off of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. And they're the inspiration behind a new survival thriller movie featuring an 80-foot-large tooth monster. Now, in order to describe this shark, the black demon is a black shark with piercing eyes. Now, that's pretty cool. And there is a Nat Geo film or documentary on the black demon. Or was it? Anyway, it doesn't matter who put it up. And they go through and they go to solve to see if they could find it. And that the black demon shark seems to travel along when, uh, with, with whales. And if you don't know what the Sea of Cortez is, it's like the Gulf of California on the West Coast. I just like the Sea of Cortez. It sounds so cool. Especially when you put that pirate accent behind it. The Sea of Cortez. Arr, arr, arr. There you go, Tommy. The movie The Black Demon is about Paul Sturgis as he desperately tries to save his family on an oil rig while battling a massive primeval shark. Now, what you didn't see in the trailer that I played earlier is that this is one dilapidated oil rig. This oil rig, it looks like it's about to collapse and why it's still operational is beyond me. No wonder the Black Demon or the Mayan gods are upset and send this shark to uh, take it out because, (laughs) come on... Now, Arturo says this movie is like Jaws if Jaws were sent by indigenous gods to make humanity pay for messing with the ocean, said David Bowles of co-creator of the Black Demon Tales. Now, they've also made a comic book series. Looks like it was just released because I've only found one issue. I plan on getting that to read because that looks like a great segment on its own for a future episode. And of course... The Mayan gods or even the Aztec gods, depending on who you're reading, are upset that we are destroying the planet and are responsible for, get it, climate change. Um, so we're not going to delve too much into the climate change. The other co-creator, Hector Rodriguez, says the uh, this story of the Black Demon is like writing a love letter to Godzilla and Japanese monsters known as Kaiju. We, we've talked about Kaiju, basically Japanese for giant monster but um i I like the sentiment behind the black demon and rodriguez even goes to say part of the idea for black demon is to build out a kaiju universe full of massive monsters that are connected with indigenous gods i'm totally behind the idea of let's build out the kaiju universe because we got mothra got uh grammara godzilla we just don't have anything new, so I would like to see this. Um, I'd like to see a Godzilla versus Black Demon movie sometime soon. 
So we got the myth side of the story, the Aztec gods using the black demon to uh, basically right the wrongs of careless humans. We spend too much time destroying the planet and the gods are not happy. So they send the black demon to rectify and um, bring us back to normal balance. Well, that's the mystical side of the tale. Now, can it actually exist? Well, that's where that show I talked about earlier and forced uh, Gable or whatever his last name. And that's where this uh, documentary comes in. So can the story or can this shark actually exist? Well, in that documentary I was talking about, they do go try to prove it. And uh, of course, like all the great creature shows out there, I'm going to find this giant monster. I have to know why he's there or if he exists. Well, of course, you know, the answer is no. But unlike these other shows, he at least comes up with an idea. And he sees it based on, uh, or he observed it based on following the whales. And he seems to think that it's a giant whale shark. Because they get to the length, 65 foot to 70 foot, which is about what the black demon is uh, purported to uh, be. And also, if you look at the surface, or from above, like a drone shot, the whale shark is actually pretty uh, black in color. So he could see where this is a case of mistaken identity. But hey, do you want to believe science? Or do you want to believe the tales? Well, let's get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales. windswept i i haven't got one thing to go on except two mangled corpses and a busted up boat i wish i could say i thought it was an accident george so you could close the books but it just doesn't add up you know there was something i didn't mention to you in front of kochek oh what was that you remember when i told you that the heads were severed from the trunks almost as if by a surgeon's scalpel yeah and yet the main arteries were distended several inches it appeared as if something had been attached to pump out the blood. I don't understand what you mean, Sam. Generally, when a person is killed, the heart stops pumping almost immediately. There's always some blood left in the body. You mean that there wasn't any blood left in him? No, essentially none. Sam, you don't think we've got a monster on our hands now, do you? No, 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 I don't. I, I think that there's a logical explanation that we just haven't found yet. But if I were you, I'd ride herd on Kochek. Rumors won't help now.
take my advice. You lock the doors and stay in the house tonight. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Wilson. Don't forget what I said. What can I do for you, Constable? You can do what I ask you to. I was only telling Mrs. Wilson what I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the trouble with you. You're always telling people what you think. No crime in that. In the past, no, maybe not. But this time, you've got the whole town upset. They got reason to be. Oh, about the Rinaldi brothers, yes, but not about some monster. Uh, you know as well as I do, those two are not murdered by any ordinary human. I didn't say anything about murder. Are you giving out that bunk about an accident? Until I'm sure, that's the official theory. You better remember it. Any two-year-old can tell there was no accident. You should look up the history of this village. Look, Kochek, I'm not going to argue with you. Now, I'm ordering you to stop the rumors. And if you don't stop spreading them, I'm going to lock you up for attempting to incite riot. You can't do that. You try me. People don't mind their own business. Who, Kochek? Yeah. He's got the whole town in a state of nerves. He's a great talker. I told him if he didn't quit it, I was going to have him thrown in jail. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, I know that, but I don't think he does. Come inside for a minute, will you, Fred? I want to talk to you. Come on, have a cup of coffee. That Kochek's an idiot. He'd spend half as much time tending to business as he does gossiping, we'd be better off. I ordered that cleaner a month ago. Next week, he says. I'll bet we don't get it this time next month. See why they can't leave us alone. We do our job. There hasn't been a wreck on this point since we've been here. Those two brothers go fishing. Next thing, people asking questions, prying into our business. They ought to keep away from the point. That's what the light's here for. That girl wouldn't work nights. A lonely place to get to after dark. Come on, Ray. Come on, boy. I'd invite you in, but it would only upset Dad. He's going to have to get to know me sometime. Let him get used to the idea of us going together first. Has he always been like that? When I was a child, he, he was lots of fun. What happened? I remember it was just before my ninth birthday. Mother hadn't been feeling too well that afternoon. There was a ship in trouble off the coast, and Daddy had to stay in the tower. Mother got worse, but wouldn't let me call him until early morning. He phoned for the doctor, but he refused to come out in the storm. When they returned, Mother was dead. I'm sorry. They were so much in love. When Daddy was first transferred here, he wouldn't have anything to do with anybody. Shortly after, I was sent away to boarding school. 
It's just been in the last two years that I've even been home during summer vacations. He must be a very lonely man. He is. He lives in a world all of his own. Sometimes I can't even get through to him. How's he going to take me? All right, I think. But it's going to be slow. Well, we've got the rest of the summer. Beautiful night. It's almost too nice. I haven't got a parlor I can invite you into, but I've got the best beach and rocks on the coast. Let's take a walk. Oh, I'd love to, but if I don't get those specimens prepared I collected this afternoon, our trip will have been for nothing. Well, you're very flattering. I'm sorry. Now you know I didn't mean it that way. I forgive you. I'll be all right. See you Lucille. I'm sorry. Did I hear you drive up a while back? Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful night. You've been swimming. How many times have I told you not to go swimming on that beach at night alone? Daddy, you wouldn't have wanted me to swim with anybody. I forgot my suit. I don't know what they teach you in college these days, but it certainly isn't modesty. Independence, Daddy. Independence. All the same, this is a wild and desolate coast. There's no place for a young lady, or anyone else for that matter, to be out alone at night. All right. I won't do it again. Tonight I had the strangest idea that I had a visitor. What do you mean? Nothing, really, I guess. I just had the feeling that somebody was watching me. 
You go swimming alone again at night, and I'm going to ship you back to that fine school of yours before vacation's over. Daddy, you're not serious. Yes, you bet I am. You're really angry. Better get to bed. It's getting late. I'm sorry, Dad. Good night. Good night. I'm your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman, and I'm joined by Tommy. This episode, we're talking all about sharks. We just gave a brief uh, description of this year's Shark Week, and we talked about La Demonia Negra, or the Black Demon, the shark that terrorizes the coast, or the terrorizes the Sea of Cortez. Arrgh! I tell you, I still love saying the Sea of Cortez. I kind of, I kind of halfway expected that there's going to be Ila Don Murta in there, and we can go find the uh, the lost treasure of Cortez and be just like we were in Black or in the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl. Arg, arg! All right, we're digressing. We can save pirates for a later time. So on this segment, we are going to talk about the five. Quote unquote best shark movies ever. Now, I purposely left out Jaws, The Meg, and Deep Blue Sea because those are truly the great shark movies. And as I said, these are the five quote unquote best. Now, these movies are quite um, campy. They're okay. They're B-rated horror movies. These are the movies that uh, if I were a younger man and looking to get hooked on horror, these would be it. Now, I do have to say there is a limit. There is a fine line between the best movies and the worst movies. So before I get into telling you about the best movies, let me give you the little the, the limit because this was quite funny. Now, during Shark Week or during July, I like to go and find these shark movies. And most of the shark movies are made by Sci-Fi Channel, which you already know the shark is going to be of horrible quality. Now, there is a degree below Sci-Fi, which prior to doing all these movies, I didn't think they could get any worse. But there actually is a limit. There actually is a line. And I hit that limit pretty quick with this movie. Megalodon versus Bigfoot. Of course, I was excited. You know, I'm going to get a creature feature fight movie. And yeah, two minutes in, I turned it off. Why? Aliens. It opened up with an alien 
ancient alien battle scene. I just couldn't get past the aliens. I couldn't get past the special effects. I couldn't get past adding aliens in. So there, there is a limit. Now, that's where I stopped. And I thought that, you know, there couldn't be any worse. Well, enter Ouija Shark. Yeah, Ouija Shark. That was um, something to uh, behold. A Ouija board is discovered at the beach. And this girl brings it back to her house. And her and her friends play the Ouija board. Now, we all know from Ouija board movies and other horror movies that use a Ouija board. This is not a good idea. So now you got a Ouija board that looks like it's a plank of wood from a ship. You bring it home, you and your friends play it, and you summon a Ouija, a ghost shark. Yes, this ghost shark is terrorizing the community. I mean, it goes to a park and eats a runner. You got some lady sitting in her pool. Oh, that's something I've never seen before. And you're just like, what? Really? What? So I discovered, now this movie is not one of theirs. And I discovered through Cocaine Shark that uh, there's another guy. <laughs> These are the same guys that did Cocaine uh, Panther or some movie like that. And that is the Polona Brothers or the Polonia Brothers. If you see them, if you see their little logo in front of the screen, and I think the other one's like Wide Eye. These are movies you do not want to watch. Why? These are the movies that I've talked about in previous episodes that when they start, there's no story. The special effects are horrible. The The acting is horrible. The lighting is horrible. The, the Whoever wrote the script must have just thrown it, didn't even bother to use chat GPT because they can write a better script. And uh, to call it fan fiction or to call it a fan-made movie or independent is a stretch in the least. I mean, yeah, you can say that, yes, they're still making movies. But who is actually watching these movies? Because these are horrible. There's that fine line. And I do mean fine line because a campy movie can become really bad really quick. And that's how I get to my five best shark movies. Because these are the ones that I actually watched from beginning to end. So let's go ahead and start off. With the most patriotic of shark movies ever. Megalodon. You're not going to confuse this one for the Meg. I promise you. But it is just called Megalodon. And if you're looking for the poster for this movie, it's very similar to the Meg. You got the giant mouth of a shark about to eat something. And it's a little mini sub, by the way. And yes, the shark eats the sub. They tried to sell you this movie with Michael Madsen in the title, but uh, he hasn't been relevant in a long time. This is more than just a paycheck movie for him. Uh, <laughs> it's full of the, the regular tropes. Oh, I'm about to retire. Oh, this is my last one. But he's not the main character. No, 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 no. This is the most patriotic shark movie you're ever going to see. It's got them dang pesky Russians. They're down below... Drilling into the South Pacific communication line or SPP, SPCC line. Uh, they're basically doing what spies are going to do. They're tapping into this communication line so they can steal American secrets. Well, unbeknownst to them, their drill at the high speed wakes up the Megalodon. 
Okay, now this is where we're going to stop. The Megalodon in this movie has nothing but a plot device. It is nothing but something to advance the story along and to give a common cause. Because after we see the Russians wake up the Megalodon, we go to the U.S. ship sitting out there in the sea in the Pacific Ocean, and you got this captain who's given this rousing speech to his sailors. Like, this is going to be the greatest ever. We are the greatest United States Navy ever. Blah, blah. America, America, America. That's what I hear in that one. And boy, I can tell you something. I was never prouder than... And, you know, I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm an American. And this movie is straight up for me. And then, of course, the Americans detect the submarine's noise and they they go to rescue the submarine and discover the only three remaining Russians in there. And they they constantly trying to say, I'm we're whalers. We're not scientists. We we're whalers. And it, it just bad at that point when, when the Lieutenant Lynch Yes, I know. Lynch <laughs> brings up memories of the A-team. Uh, and anyway, Lynch is in her submarine. The shark has already ate the submarine. Like I said, you don't see much of the shark. The only time you see the shark, like I said, is to advance the story. And Lynch is trying to interrogate the uh, the Russians. And she's like, we are the United States Navy. We are the bestest ever. Uh, you will tell us. And the Russians are, you arrogant pig. And it's... It, it just stays like that for the majority of the movie. So, like I said, it's the most patriotic shark movie ever. And um, for a ship that looks more like a cargo ship, they sure have plenty of weapons on board. And before we get to our back to our creature feature, I'm going to give you one more of the best shark movies ever. And that's going to be Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. That's right, we got a big giant mega shark, which probably is a megalodon in some case, because that seems to be where the horror movies go. The mega shark is trapped in ice, and the ship is carrying it back to wherever it's going to research. Uh, they happen to be near Egypt. The shark frees itself, or the ice thaws, and the shark starts terrorizing Australian Navy ships all over the place. Now, this movie's got some high-class actors, uh, one of them being the, oh, man, I can't remember his name at the top of the head, but he was in Stargate Atlantis. Uh, he was the guy with the funny shape, on the funny symbol on his forehead. Uh, he's in there, he, him and his uh, wife, which is Elizabeth Rom, uh, they, and wife in the movie, and they have designed a mechanical shark to fight Mega Shark. Well, as all things considered, you got an AI-controlled sh- sub, Gets damaged in battle and says, oh, let's go ahead and destroy the world uh, or go crazy and haywire. Well, you also got Debbie Gibson, you know, pop singer Debbie Gibson. She's in this movie, her second run in a Mega Shark movie. And she's basically saying, hey, the reason why Mega Shark is in Australia is because he wants a date. Bow chicka bow wow. <laughs> Now, there was a lot of uh, implied stuff that should be happened with Mecha Shark to Mega Shark. Uh, I even personally thought they would make a beautiful little couple. 
Hey, I, thought, I was thinking the same thing that, you know, she kept saying, hey, Mega Shark is there to find a girlfriend. He's going to be mad if there's no girls there because, you know, his shark race is extinct. He's the only one left. Why not mate him up with Mecha Shark? Or that he was going to be a jealous boyfriend and destroy Mecha Shark anyway. And that movie was um, was a lot more predictable than most of the shark movies out there. But I still enjoy it. Uh, Mecha Shark has a, a great cast going along for it as well in sequels. Like Urkel as a big time Navy. And that's one thing I've noticed about Asylum movies. Because that's who did Megalodon and that's who did Mega Shark. Asylum is the big uh, mockbuster company that makes a lot of shark, a lot of horror movies for sci-fi. and But they really love to bring the Navy in. They really love to bring in the... That's an order when I say... When I give an order, you're going to follow the order. And it is. Well, they are very hardcore on the, the, on the military thing here. So that's what I find funny about the Asylum movies. Well, let's go ahead and back, get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales when we come back more of the best shark movies ever. brothers to rest with this promise that their untimely end shall not go unaccounted for as we put them to rest in the good earth of their native village I shall read these words for they were men who lived and died by the sea O most powerful and glorious Lord God 
at whose command the winds blow, lift up the waves of the... Is it Jimmy? Mr. Kochek. He's dead. He looks awful. Where, son? Where? Where? I went to his store to buy some candy, and he was in his office dead. And Mom, he didn't have any head. Right. Can you hold him here for a few minutes while I get back to town? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, go come on, Eddie. Let's go. We're not through here yet, folks. Let us repeat the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. children. I'll send them home. Come on, please. Go on home. Do the doctors looked at the body. We'll give you a report. Go ahead now. Eddie, pick up the body with a counterclock. How did it happen? You better have a look. Come on. Oh, Eddie, you better get outside and get yourself some fresh air so you feel better. Okay. Poor little Jimmy had to see a thing like this. Is that Kochek? Yeah. Same way? Complete transection of all the veins and arteries, plus the esophagus, the trachea, and the spinal cord. I couldn't have done a cleaner job myself. And no blood again, eh, Doc? <gasps> Pump dry. All right, that does it. Now, let's have a look around and see what we can find. He must have been killed last night or early this morning. Now, look. This, this blob of ink here is completely dry. Now, I'd say that much ink wouldn't dry in less than four hours, Doc. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say four hours would be minimum. Yeah. I drove by here about 10.30 last night. The door was open. So I stopped in to see if everything was all right. Kochek said he had to work late. It was hot in here, and he left the door open to get some air. I, it, it must have happened between 10.30 and 4 this morning. Well, it's difficult to tell with a body in that condition. I'd say about 1 or 2 a.m., yeah. Yeah, well, I'll settle for that. Uh, Fred, did you find anything? No, nothing yet. Fred, come here a minute. What do you make of this? I don't know. It looks like a fish gill, but it's too big. Well, maybe something you picked up on the beach. Well, could be. But I've never seen anything like it before. Well, let's take it over to my office. We can run some tests on it and look at it under the microscope, hmm? Might as well. Doesn't seem to be anything else around here. Let's go. Are you all right? Yeah. Take the body in the ice room, Eddie. Lock the place up. Stay here and keep an eye on things. I'll send a relief over later. Sure. Did you find anything? Maybe it was Kuchek's monster. Now, none of that. We got enough trouble the way it is. You, you two scientists have been dipping that thing in the solution for the last hour. Looking at it this way and that. Now, what is it? 
Our good constable doesn't seem to realize that scientific investigation is a slow and tedious process. Huh? Sometimes taking years. <laughs> oh, fine. We haven't even got days. Oh, relax, George. I'll be through here in a minute. Uh, Fred, hand me that comparative slide, will you? Take a look at this. What do you think? Well, there's no doubt about it. The two structures are similar. What similar? Well, the structure of the specimen we found in Kochek's store is essentially the same as that of the diplovertebron, only larger. What is a diplovertebron? It's a prehistoric amphibious reptile thought to be extinct. Fossilized specimens have been found about 100 miles north of here. But this is living tissue. Living tissue? I thought you said they were extinct. This is not the scale of a diplovertebron. I simply said they were similar. Well, what is it then? I wish we knew that and how it got into Kochek's store. Oh, well, he's always roaming up the coast fishing. It's probably something he found and brought home with him. Well, maybe, but I still want to run a few more tests on this. Yeah, I think so. And in the meantime, I'm no closer to solving my problem. Well, that's about it until we can make positive identification one way or another. Even then, it may not help. Uh, I can't do any good here. I might as well get back to the cafe. Mr. Madsen! Mr. Madsen! Mr. Madsen! Oh, Mr. Madsen, I've been looking all over for you. What's the matter, Lucy? It's Dad. What happened? I don't know exactly. I found him at the bottom of one of the caves. He's hurt, I can tell. He's unconscious. Now, just take it easy. We'll go right out. Here, Lucy, here. Take one of these. You'll feel better in a minute. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman, and I'm joined by Tommy. In this episode, we've talked about sharks. We've talked about the mildly disappointing but entertaining Shark Week 2023. We've talked about the Black Demon, and we just gave two of our favorite best shark movies ever, at least for 2023. So let's continue talking about the best shark movies ever. And that's going to be Sharktopus. Now, this is a part of a trilogy. I've talked about uh, last year. I said Sharktopus versus Wolf was in my best five for 2022. And now we're going to go back to the beginning of this trilogy. And we're going to go to Sharktopus. So what do you get when Eric Roberts splices a shark with an octopus? Well, you get a new terror of the sea. You get a half shark, half octopus crazy creature that travels up and down the coast of Mexico, just terrorizing, eating, and, and of course, enjoying everything in sight. So let's go ahead and dive into the Sharktopus history here. Because Eric Roberts creates Sharktopus. And then you're going to find out in the second movie, you're going to get Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds, who creates Terracuda. Half pterodactyl, half barracuda, all teeth. And that he goes on to fight Sharktopus in that one. And then you get, uh, I don't know who the doctor is in uh, the third one, Sharktopus versus Werewolf. But she pays homage to both Eric Roberts and Lewis as her inspiration for creating a killer whale spliced with a wolf. Oh, yes. Beautiful, beautiful movies. Now... Eric Roberts seems to find the bad movies himself. I mean, I think you can keep 
on one count on one hand how many good Eric Roberts movies there are out there. He plays a good villain. I give him that. I loved him in The Expendables. He was quite a jerk in The Expendables, the first one. And uh, that was great. Now, in here, he's a scientist and uh, he has no qualms about putting his daughter in harm's way. But I just find this particular scene funny. They're driving around looking for the ship. S-11, or Sharktopus, has escaped. And uh, the security guard, or head guy of security, is like, well, he's terrorizing up the coast, and the scientists saying the same. And then Eric Roberts pulls his sunglasses off his wind, I mean, off his face, sticks the ear of it into his mouth, and he makes this, well, yeah, he, he's going to be there for a little while. You know, he's going to eat a little bit, but he's going to move because uh, water migration patterns and such. And uh, So we had to throw in a quite scientific moment into this movie. Uh, Sharktopus is a lot of fun. There's a lot of um, just, just crazy kills that's in there. Uh, I think Eric Roberts saves this movie from becoming a Polonia Brothers movie. Um, of course, special effects is typical sci-fi channel asylum uh, effects for shark to post. And, uh, it makes for entertaining movies. Uh, so if you're in a mood for campiness and you want one of the best movies ever, shark to puss is the way to go. So our next best shark movie ever is a little bit more serious and it takes place in the lake of Louisiana. Now, before you go on, here's the obvious question or the question is you're going to ask, how does a hammerhead, great white thrasher shark, tiger shark all end up in a lake in Louisiana and how can they uh, survive? Cause it's most of the time a lake in Louisiana is not going to be salt water. It's going to be fresh water or brackish. So how does a shark other than a bull shark survive in a lake? Oh, this one's easy. Let me know. Let me know. You ready? Ready? Let me pull my hair up like that crazy dude on ancient aliens. Hurricanes. That's right. Apparently, uh, floodgates were opened and kind of changed the composition of this park. And I mean, this lake. And so now it's more salt water. Now, what makes shark night hilarious is that this is the first shark movie that i've seen that has an ex crazy ex-boyfriend revenge plot and a setup with kids or in this case college students at a creepy gas station scene like you would see in say dale versus or dale dale and tucker versus evil or even cabin in the woods you know, they stop at the gas station. They got the ominous warning. Well, in this case, they bump into the crazy ex-boyfriend. And, and of course, the betrayal scene. Shark Nights of 2011, so there's no spoiler warning here. When the sheriff betrays the kids, or at least the girl who's, who owns the house on the lake, it was no surprise. Kind of saw that one coming in the opening scene, or, or at least in his scene. So let's get down to the crazy part of the story. So here it is. You got about five college kids. They're going to go spend their summer vacation or summer or spring break or something at one of their friend's house in Louisiana. She's got this nice, pretty house on the lake. 
and she's got a crazy ex-boyfriend who she almost accidentally killed with the boat with the boat propeller when they were teenagers before she went to college. So that's why he, he you know, he, she broke up with him. He never accepted it. And then, of course, she almost chopped off his face. So he's crazy ex-boyfriend. You know, I would have liked if they'd have done more scarring on his face. You could barely tell that she hit him in the face with a propeller. I mean, I would expect it like chopped off nose, a bit more, uh, a bit more disfigurement. Disfigurement, that's a big word for you. Oh, I know. I've been studying. So one of the uh, one of the college kids is going to be drafted in the NFL. Well, uh, not so much. So how did these sharks get in the water? Well, we said earlier that the Army Corps of Engineers opened the floodgates and kind of changed the composition of the uh, the lake. Well, the crazy ex-boyfriend, the sheriff, and the the deckhand, they go out and oh, let me let me let me catch you up on the crazy ex-boyfriend. The crazy ex-boyfriend is a diver. He's kind of a shark expert fisherman. He knows all this. He has swam with the sharks. I got to give you a little bit so that way we know just how much knowledge is on it. He may be crazy, but he's not stupid. So him and, and, and the deckhand go capture all these sharks. They put them in the lake and they strap cameras to them. Why? Because reality show money. So they make in a snuff show reality show. And people are going to pay big bucks for it. Now, something about 2011 and the horror villains wanting to make a slash film to boost their 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 careers. I mean, you had Scream 4, which came out around that time, and now Shark Night. Now, it's kind of interesting to see that um, snuff reality films are the thing of horror. Uh, wow. And, of course, these sharks do what normal sharks do. They eat things. And, uh, like I said, this one is a little bit more serious. This one's not as campy as the other ones. And uh, out of the five, this is the one I really liked the most because it was a bit more serious. It had a little bit more of a story to it, even though it had the predictable twists and turns. And I think I really like the setup, the gas station scene, because you don't see that in a shark movie. Normally, a shark movie is, oh, our boat is stranded out in the middle of the ocean, and we got to survive the sharks until help gets here. Or you get uh, Deep Blue Sea, where some crazy scientist makes makes some sharks and starts terrorizing the community. So you don't really get what we got here. Well, that's going to be it for this segment of Frightening Tales. When we come back... Let's get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales. Yes. All right. Can you make it? All right. Let's get going. Come on. Here, I dog. Thanks. Stay here. Doc? Yeah. 
busy doctor. Has a bad gash in his right arm and his leg is hurt. I can't tell how badly until I examine him more carefully. Help me get him to his feet, huh? Be careful, that arm is hurt real bad. That's it. Now, George, yeah. you get my bag, will you please? All right. Now, let's get him to the lighthouse so I can give him a more thorough examination. Like some coffee? Yes. Why don't you get some? I'll be a minute. She's taking it pretty well. She's a fine girl, Fred. Yeah, I know. Doc, how is he? Well, he's had a bad fall, but he's the wiry type. Doctor? No, no, no. Later, Lucy. Thank you. Will he be all right? No. You'll need rest. Take some time for this arm to heal, and we'll have to be careful no infection sets in. What about his leg? Well, fortunately, it isn't broken. There's uh, just a sprain, a bad cut. And I'll tape it up. Thank goodness. Honey, do you have any idea how this might have happened? Nothing more than I told you. I went to bed about 11. I thought I heard him go out, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Was he alone? Probably. Ring went with... That's strange. What? And all the excitement I hadn't noticed. Ring hasn't been around all morning. You know, I've never seen those two apart. They never are, except when Dad goes into town. Then he locks him up. I'll call him. He usually comes when I call him. Oh, he'll show up. Lucy, here. Now, he'll probably sleep for quite a while. When he wakes up, give him one of these. If the pain is bad, one every two hours. Otherwise, one every four hours is often enough. Hmm? Would you take him to my room, please? Oh, sure. Uh, boys, would you help him? I think he'll be more comfortable in bed. Hmm? You bet. Easy now. All right. Can he have something to eat when he wakes up, Doctor? Well, yes, if he feels like it, but don't force him. Now, I'll be back later to have a look. And if there's any change, you can call, hmm? Thank you. I wish he'd have felt like talking. Maybe he'd been able to tell us something. Well, it shouldn't be too hard to figure out, George. There was a broken lantern on the beach beside him. Now, he must have gone out last night when Lucy heard him. He went down by the rocks and fell. Yeah, but that still doesn't explain where the dog is. He's probably out in the moors chasing rabbits. Well, maybe so. Well, we better get back to town. Yeah. Right. Look, uh, take my Jeep. I'm going to stay with Lucy for a while. You can come back and pick me up later. All right, Fred. Perhaps you'll be able to talk then. Thanks for everything. Anytime, Lucy. 
You look bushed. Sit down, I'll get you a coffee. I don't know how Dad's going to take this. He's never been sick a day in his life. Well, he's just going to have to get used to it and take it easy for a while. You don't know Dad and his lighthouse. I'll come out and give you a hand. Maybe it'll give me a chance to get to know him a little better. Lucy? He's awake. How do you feel, Dad? I don't know. What happened? We found you on the beach at the bottom of one of the big cliffs. The doctor says you'll have to stay in bed. But I can't. You've got to. I've got to tend the light. Dad. I'm sorry, sir. Those are orders. What are you doing here? He helped get you up from the beach. Oh. Would you like something to eat? Maybe some broth. Well, I suppose you won't leave me alone until you get your own way. It'll be good for you. Watch him, will you, Fred? I'll be right back. Thank you. That's all right. Do you have any idea what happened? I'm trying to think. Well, you must have gone out last night. Lucy said she heard you, and there was the broken lantern on the beach. Yes, that's right. After she went to her room, I took the lantern and started down toward the cove. Why? She'd been swimming again, and I'd forbidden it. She's headstrong. Last night, she had the feeling she was being watched. I went down to see what I could find. Did you see anyone? No. There's been another murder. Who? Kocek. We found his body this afternoon. He talked too much. Mr. Sturgis, you've been around a long time. What do you know of the legend? Piedras Blancas? Well, the coastal currents off this point are very treacherous. And the rocks on the seaward side are covered white with gull droppings. Bad weather, they're almost impossible to see. Many a ship was lost on those rocks before this light was built. It's not a record of any survivors. Oh, with a coast and surf like that, that isn't surprising. No, but people would rather start a legend. Some of the earlier settlers claimed a monster lived in the rocks below this point. Do you believe it? Of course not. Has anyone ever had a look in those caves? government land. Nobody's allowed. Do you mind if I have a look? There's nothing there. Well, then it won't hurt to have a look. I don't want you on those rocks. It's dangerous. All right. Are you sure that you don't remember anything that happened last night? If I did, I'd tell you.
Well, I understand how you feel. We all do. But if we're ever going to stop this wanton killing, you've got to try to help us. You've got to tell me whatever you can. Well, where was she going? Her mother sent her to the store. Thanks, Will. Come on. Let's go check with Eddie. See if she ever got there. Probably ready in a minute. Well, what's the matter? Well, nothing. I can tell. Now, what is it? Is your father often gone from the lighthouse any length of time? Why do you ask? You said after your mother died that he changed. Yes. And that after you moved out here, you want to be left alone. He even sent you away to school and wouldn't let you come home during vacations. What are you getting at? How long was it after you moved here that he sent you away to school? About two months. Did anything unusual happen before he sent you away? I don't think so. But you said he seemed better for a while. He was. Then why did he send you away? Oh, something I did. It wasn't anything, just kid stuff. No, go on. Well, when we lived up north, he, he let me play around the rocks and go to the beach alone. But shortly after we moved here, he refused me the privilege. Said it was too dangerous. The cliffs never seemed any bigger than the ones up north. So I sneaked away one day and got caught in one of the caves by the tide. When he found me, it was dark, and he was furious. I'd never seen him like that. He sent me to bed without supper, and the next morning I was packed off to boarding school. I didn't see him for almost ten years. And he didn't give you any reason at all? I never questioned him. You've heard of the legend of White Rocks? Sure. But you've never been in those caves. I think I'll have a look. What for? Your father's keeping something from me. Isn't that a little unfair? I don't think so. He as much as ordered me not to go in those caves. Well, this is his light. He's responsible. Look, that's not quite the point. Three people in the last 24 hours have met with violent deaths. I don't think there's anything to the legend, but I've got to be sure. Even if it means disobeying my father? I'm not his son-in-law yet. I thought you trusted him. I do. If you did, you wouldn't go to the caves. I'm sorry. I don't think you'd better come here again. Stay here till I sent a relief. Let's look outside. I can't understand where Eddie's disappeared to. You look in the office and see if Kochek's body's still there. All right. I'll try the ice room. Yes.
You all right? Go get him! No, no, not now. Him. Him. Is he dead? Oh, he's got a broken collarbone and his back may be injured. We better get him over to my office. Uh, Sam. Hmm? It's the same. Take it easy. Why, it's identical. Well, I guess we found our killer. Hmm. Or he's found us. Well, can you handle things here? I better go get Fred. All right, George. Now be careful. Yeah. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tommy. Hope you enjoyed this episode so far. It's all been all about sharks. We've talked a little bit about Discovery Channel's Shark Week and how Jason Momoa is kind of an awkward little host. Uh, he probably needs more of a scriptwriter in front of him. We've talked about how they, uh, the shows have been uh, mildly disappointing, but a little bit entertaining. We've also talked about the Black Demon, or La Demonia Negra Shark legend. And we've been into our uh, best shark movies ever, where we've talked about Sharktopus, Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark, the Megalodon, or Megalodon. So let's go ahead and get to our last best shark movie ever. And that's going to be Five-Headed Shark Attack. Now, there is something to be said about these multi-headed shark movies. These are the, um, there are a wide range of these movies. And um, then there's not a four-headed and there's uh, not a, a three-headed. No, there is a three-headed. My bad, my bad. So there's been a two-headed. A three-headed, a five-headed, and a six-headed shark attack movies. Uh, sixth, uh, the sixth one is kind of funny. It takes place on an island where a couple's retreat is at. But the fifth one by far is uh, probably the better one. I haven't had a chance to check out the third one with Danny Trejo in it. That's the only reason to watch the third one, I think, is to see Danny Trejo. Uh, two-headed shark attack uh, has Brooke Hogan, which is Hulk Hogan's daughter. And it, it, it's kind of a, a weak, uh, a questionable college kids, uh, master graduate class trip to an island to do some studying. And Carmen Electra is um, like a ship captain or engineer or something. Yeah, you can see where that one's going and, and not that direction. But you can see where it's going as far as uh, the believability in this one? No. So I guess that's why I like Five-Headed Shark Attack much better. It has a solid story. has a solid cast. I can't say it's solid acting because it got some weak acting going on. Basically, it starts out with a ship or boat out in the... Uh, I want to say it's off the coast of Puerto Rico. And he is photo the photographer is photographing his models. And the shark attacks them. And they manage to get a picture of the shark... And you can see it only has four heads at the moment. And it eats the entire ship. I mean, not, not the ship itself, but the people on board the ship. The shark eats the people. Well, the sheriff, our local chief of police, and his little assistant, they find the boat. They find the camera. They take it to this aquarium. And for some reason, uh, the, the aquarium director's like, no, no, that can never happen. No. Where have we heard this before? And then... Um, and even, you know, he even like 
wrestles the director into saying, no, 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 that is just a weird thing. Yes, it's happened before, but it's, you know, like little stuff, never anything that big. It couldn't be anything like that. No, 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 no. So the aquarium director and the project director take their grad students out to go find this shark. Well, they find it all right because it eats one of the people. He eats one of the grad students. So now you begin the tally. Okay, who gets it next? Who gets it next? And they call out the cops. They come back out. They check it. And eventually they, they hire a fisherman to go capture the shark. But they realize, and the, the, the aquarium director, who's a jerk throughout the most of the film, finally realizes that he made a mistake. He should never put people in harm's way. But it's too late. So now they're having to kill the four-headed shark monster. Well, somewhere along the line, something happens, and the fifth head appears. So when you look at the front of a shark, you normally see just the head there. Well, for the forehead, it had four in the front, but the fifth was the tail. Like, the tail went from looking like a tail to a shark head. Of course, our, our heroes don't know this yet. They don't know it's five-headed at this point. But this poor shark head does all the work. It's the one that's got to push them all around the ocean. I mean, it's the tail. And it's quite an imaginative spot to put <laughs> a head. And uh, I guess that's why I like uh, these multi-headed shark movies. Because they just defy theory of evolution. Just like nothing. I mean, look, there is no... Well, I think the six-headed one, there was a... Uh, was the scientific explanation behind how the shark was created. But as far as the other ones, they're just flukes in nature. No radioactive material. No leak here. Nothing there. It's quite... It's just there. And I, I guess I like that better for a movie because you don't need the uh, boring old trope of, oh, it ate radioactive waste. Thus, it's foreheaded. No, it's just a mutation in nature. Of course, with the five-headed shark attack movie... Uh, w w the way they lure the shark into the um, the trap is with dolphin sound. So it's good to see that a five-headed shark is still scared of dolphins. I, I think they'd had better luck with orcas since uh, we we've been watching all these National Geographic and Discovery Channel specials. It shows that orcas hunt sharks. What better way for an orca to say, I'm king of the sea, than to take out a five-headed shark? Well, that wraps up our five best shark movies ever. I gave you Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. I gave you Megalodon, Shark Knight, Sharktopus, and then Five-Headed Shark Attack. Go check out the other multi-headed shark movies. Those are funny, too. I liked them. Like I said, I'm still waiting to find a way to watch Three-Headed Shark Attack because, like Eric Roberts, Danny Trejo has never said no to a bad movie. Let's go ahead and get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales. Lucy! 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 
I've got to see Fred. What's happened? There have been two more murders. Oh, no. Who? Eddie and Will's little girl. How did it happen? Well, I haven't got time to tell you now. I've got to get Fred and go back into town. He went down to the cliffs. All right. Oh, look. Now, remember, one thing. You keep the place locked. And don't come out until we call you. Now, there's a creature loose around here someplace. Uh, he's not headed this way, but don't take any chances. All right. Now, remember. All right. me quite a fright. I'm sorry, Fred. What's the matter? We found our killer. What is it? It's inhuman. He's nearly seven feet tall. He's got tremendous strength. You know, that scale, that scale you found, that was part of it. He's killed two more people and escaped. Where'd he go? South, along the beach. We've got to track him down. I'll tell Lucy. No, 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 no. I've already warned her. They're in no danger. We'll go after him. So, come on. Want some broth? It's ready. Man, wait. Now look, Fred and I will cover the beach along the rocks. Merritt, you take two men and cover the cliffs from the top. Jake, you try the moor. Now don't get divided. And don't try to take him by yourself because you're no match for him. Now fire three signal shots in case you come in contact with him. But don't get too close. Wait till the rest of us get there. You understand that? Yeah. All right, let's go. Look at the size of those prints. You want me to signal? No, no, no. Let's wait till we're sure that he's cornered. You know, some of these caves come out on top of the cliff. through the town. Come on. Over here! Barrett's dead. Let's get Mike back right away and patch him up. We'll all have to go back. We'll need reinforcements. Well, come on, let's go then. He needs medical attention. Yeah, now look, man. We'll start the hunt tomorrow morning at daybreak. Bring Merritt's body, boys, will you? Let me help you. You're feeling better. You slept most of the day. This is good and warm. It'll give you strength. No, I've got to get up to the light. Eat this and we'll talk about it. 
but you don't understand. Yes, I do. There, that's better. Dad? Yes? Why didn't you want Fred to go to the caves? It's dangerous. Is that the only reason? What's between you and Fred? I'm in love with him. I don't want you to see him again. Two more people have been killed in the village. Do you know anything about the killings? The people in the village think you do. They're fools. Daddy, the last person killed was a child, a little girl. Maybe I'm responsible, I don't know. What do you mean? Do you remember the long walks I used to take when we first came here? You'd say they helped to keep you from brooding about Mother. Yes. Well, there were many caves along the cliffs that I, I was sure had never been explored. I noticed one in particular, a low tide. One day when the tide was at full ebb, I waded out through the opening and walked through it. I walked for what seemed miles and until I saw a light ahead. Climbed up to it and, and found a narrow fissure opening at the mouth of the big cave below the lighthouse. It wasn't big enough for me to get through, so I had to go back. Just before I got to the, the entrance, I realized the tide had closed me in. Suddenly, I, I had the strangest feeling that I was being watched. And I heard sounds like heavy breathing. I dove through the opening and swam out. The next day, I went back to the mouth of the cave below the light and left some fish I'd caught. The following morning, they were gone. Is that why you packed me off to boarding school? Oh, I knew it wouldn't be long until you'd... you'd find that opening and squeeze through. I couldn't take a chance, Lucy. After you left, I was even more lonely. Strange, but I got to worrying about that poor creature in the cave. I fished every day and left my catch. Finally, I... I just couldn't catch enough, so I, I got meat scraps. It wasn't long before the fish was refused, and I had to get more. I had to get more meat. And last night, when you mentioned that you had the feeling someone was watching you, I had to go down and see. I must have slipped on the rocks, or I don't know. I'm sorry, Dad. Can you remember anything else that happened last night? I just had the feeling somebody was watching me, that's all. Dad, do you mean to tell me you've been feeding this, this whatever it is, all these years? Until Kochek gave my scraps away the other day. I'd have paid him for them if that's what he wanted. I'm sure he didn't do it spitefully. So you see, you've... If there is a monster, maybe in a way I am responsible. Don't say that, Dad. You had no way of knowing. But I should have guessed. I should have guessed and told the sheriff. That... But somehow I had a, I had a protective feeling. 
like it was my own. After you left, I was very lonesome, Lucy, and it seemed less lonesome knowing that there was some living creature nearby. I know it's stupid, but I never got along with the townspeople. It was something to hang on to. I understand. Dr. Jorgensen says you'll have to stay in bed. I've got to tend the light. I'll turn it on when it's time. But the prisms need cleaning and it's got to be oiled. One night won't hurt. Lucy, you've got to help me. It's, a, it's going to be a clear night. You don't have to worry. But suppose the legend is true. You could kill yourself going up there tonight. I could do less. I, I can't. It's my responsibility. Oh, all right. Lucy. Let me get you something warm. You've got to help me. If, if, if a ship went aground tonight and he was out there hunting, there wouldn't be a single survivor. shock, mashed hand, but I can't find much other damage. Yeah. Look, I don't know what good all this snooping around does. Now that we got a monster on our hands, let's go out and get it. You saw what happened this afternoon. We're no match for him yet. All right, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just jumpy. Well, what did you find? Well, he's definitely a member of the Diplovertebron family, but a peculiar derivation. Where'd he come from? Well, from the description you and the doctor gave me, and a careful analysis of these two scales, I'd say it was created at the bottom of the sea. No, I don't understand it. Well, it's obvious from the structure of this scale that he's capable of sustaining tremendous pressures, the likes of which you'd only find at great depths. Still, he seems equally capable of living out of water. This leads me to believe perhaps he's from a subterranean cave. Oh, well, then you think he's some kind of a fish? No. But he bears a marked resemblance to the reptilian family. Like a crocodile, huh? That's right. Of course, we have no idea where he came from or how he got here. And I'm just guessing. But I'd say he's a mutation of the reptilian family. Well, this is what we've got to decide before we go after him in the morning. Does he have a brain that's capable of rational thinking, or is he just a beast? If he can think, we're in real trouble. OK, Mike. Now you take it easy for a while. Thanks, Doc. What do you think, Doc? I think we'd better try to establish a pattern from his actions. You'll buy the reptilian theory, then? Well, it accounts for the bloodlust, all right. Oh, also explains his appearance. Did you notice anything about his vision or hearing? 
not much. It all happened too fast. Offhand, I'd say he operates primarily on the sense of smell. Why do you say that? Well, we didn't discover him until George surprised him by going into the ice room. Now, either he's very clever, knew we were there and was hiding, or else he didn't sense the danger until we were right on top of him. Well, he might have been asleep. Uh, if his sense of hearing was any good, he would have awakened long before that. I don't think he just happened to go into Kocek's store. I think he smelled meat, went in, found Kocek, finished him off, and then went into the ice room in search of more food. Yeah, and then poor Eddie walked right into the death trap. That's right. Well, you think he either sensed or knew that if he remained there, he'd be fed? Then we have a thinking monster. I'm afraid so. I'd like to take him alive. Why, we wouldn't stand a chance. Besides, I couldn't allow that. I'm responsible for the welfare of the people of this town. Now, we've got a monster on our hands, and it's my job to see us destroyed. George, it may be the safest way to get him. You're, you're siding with him? Now, look. It won't be easy to kill this thing even if we want to. You saw what happened to the meat cleaver when it hit him. Now, maybe we can kill him with a gun. I don't know. But I do know that our greatest advantage is our brains. All right, then let's use them and not take a chance. Listen to me a minute. We'll get a net and we'll put it at the base of the cliff with a side of beef in the middle of it. When he comes to get the meat, we drop the net and close in on him. Believe me, George, it's the safest way. If you try to corner him, there's no telling how many men he will kill before you get him. Besides that, Fred is right. He may answer a lot of our questions on evolution, as well as putting our town on the map. Well, I suppose you two will get your own way. If I didn't believe it was right, I wouldn't even suggest it. All right, all right, then let's get into town. Now, I want to see that the streets are all cleared by dark. Then we'll go to the garage and get on this net business. We'll see you later, Doc. Call me if you need me. I'll be here. Jake, Fred wants a rope net. What for? Well, I've got an idea of the safest way to catch the monster to trap him. Now, if we can get a net about 10 by 10, I think we can do it. You got one? I think so. We'll take a look. All right, I'll be back shortly. I have to go over to the office. Take the jeep. Oh, thanks. Just change it. 
over and see how things are going. We could use another hand. Well, fine. What do I do? Help tie this together. What are you going to do with this thing if you do catch it? Ship it to the university. Well, what are they going to do with it? Well, finding a living link in the evolution of any species could clear up a lot of unanswered questions. I guess so, but it ain't getting this met, Bill. Fred. Fred, I, I'm worried. What's the matter? Well, as I drove over from the office, I noticed the light wasn't on. Now, you better phone Lucy and see if everything is all right. Go ahead. Use the right number? 761. Try it again. Something's wrong. I better get out there. All right. You go ahead. Now, I'll round up some men, and I'll follow as quickly as I can. I'll go with you.
I'll never get through the steel door. Look, we'll use the net to block the entrance off. Good, you brought some extra rope. Right. Is there any clothesline? In the bag. All right, I'll get it. to the tow rope and make a bosun's chair. I am your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman, and me and Tommy are about to say goodbye to this beautiful island here in the Caribbean, this nice secret hidden paradise that our boy Gil seems to run quite well. His bar, his cigar and rum bar is one of the best I've ever found in the Caribbean. And then, of course, we got to say a special thanks to Davy Jones and his ship La Damania Negra for uh, giving us quite an adventure around here we did a little bit of pirate raiding we did a little bit of rest and relaxation in between talking about the sea creatures and sea tales uh, if it wasn't for davy we wouldn't have learned about the black demon and then of course sea fest has been awesome uh, i've enjoyed these uh i've enjoyed talking about the the mary celeste and godzilla and the kraken 
And also, I enjoy bringing these uh, five best shark movies ever. I watch them so you can watch them. Uh, I don't say that a lot that I'll watch them so you don't have to. But we're going to go ahead and have to wrap up Shark Fest. But don't worry, don't worry. Next week, we're going to return to the swamps of Louisiana with some great stories. So you're going to want to check that out. If you have a lead or story idea, send them to me at kghoulradio at gmail.com. I'm Justin. I'm Tommy. We'll see you next week on Frightening Tales.